Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. amen. Thank the Lord. I want us all to stand. And I want a couple of men to pray. We're going to sing Amazing Grace here in just a moment. And let's, have, let's pray all together. We'll let some of these young men, Brother Dylan, you pray. And at the same time, Brother Landon, you pray. And at the same time, this... Big old grizzly brother. I mean, you've even cleaned up since I seen you last, and you're still a big old grizzly brother. You pray, and let's all pray together. Lead us in prayer, men. Y'all can be seated. Help me sing one verse. Amazing grace, how sounding good. Let's get another verse. Through many dangers. Through your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians 10, see if the Lord will help us tonight. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10. Thank the Lord. I believe they were wanting to do, they talked to me a little bit about a pastor's appreciation tonight. And I think it uh, might be good for y'all to really have a whole week to plan some more things. They've already got a good little plan, Pastor. I, I was hoping to get under the spout where it all fell out. <laughs> Y'all take another week and really get some more things even together. Yeah. And love on your preacher. Yeah. You got a very special man of God. Yeah. And I'm thankful for it. Yeah. I'm thankful for it. You got a special man of God. And... Uh, he plays dumb, and he's one of the smartest preachers I know. And he plays country, and, uh, well, he really is country. <laughs> he was wearing an Easter outfit this morning, and it's Thanksgiving season. Sis, you let him out of the house with the Easter tie. <laughs> he plays country, but I've watched him in meetings in several states, conduct himself with class. Y'all got a special man of God. And he wants you to think he's the country bumpkin just uh, kicking the can down the road, but there's a Christian school been started and a Bible institute and bus ministries that are bringing little youngins to Jesus. And if there's one thing that the old-timey, old-fashioned churches have been guilty of is enjoying Jesus and not sharing him with anybody. I'm sure the big formal soul-winning churches, soul-winning churches in the area look funny at y'all for being old-timey shouting. And I'm pretty sure the old-timey country shouting churches look funny at y'all for doing stuff other than on Sunday. Y'all ain't helping me. Too much organization here for a bunch of these super spiritual mountain people. Oh, y'all ain't helping me. I did not fall off that turnip wagon last week. You get up in these mountains and it's the most spiritual people in the world until you ask them to change a little direction and do something for Jesus. Then you've cut into their snuff-dipping mean granny who split four churches and she goes to working on yours then. And I ain't against the dipping snuff, I'm against the splitting the church. Just wanted to clarify that, Brother Sam. I mean, I don't, but all my friends, my, you know, Chad, what are you going to do? I seen a little Chad come out in you tonight. That's That's... And that's a compliment to both of you. I appreciate Sam and Aubrey. I've known these youngins. I've called her Aubrey her whole life. Y'all call her Audrey, but I call her what I want to. <laughs> they, these youngins sat through my teen camps, and, and I helped her daddy get the church started for a dozen years, and I come in there for the very first go-rounds, and they're special to us. And I'm, uh, I think he's going to do a, I really got a lot of confidence in what you're going to do in Albania, Sam. And we need you there. We got our fourth church starting. Uh, fourth one starting, I guess he signed papers on the building this past week. We got our fourth church in Albania starting. And I got a feeling by the time Brother Sam gets there, There'll be a lot of things rolling, and I, 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 I'm looking for him to start a dozen churches. I really am, and uh, I'm thankful for that. Well, aren't you glad you got a pastor that loves missions? That's something else back there that them mountain churches. Them mountain churches just want to be spiritual for two hours on Sunday. Y'all ain't helping me. I didn't forget who I was mad at tonight. 
I guarantee you the formal, the formal snooty churches look down on y'all for being old-timey shouting. And the old-timey shouting churches ain't going to support you around here because y'all are actually doing something that just talking about how granny shouted. Y'all ain't helping me. Oh, yes, sir. And I thank the Lord. God give you a great theologian. He is a great theologian also. And them books over there, you'd, 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 he'd make you think he can't even read. He's got a better library than I do about. And he's actually looked at them and dug into it. And uh, y'all ought to just take a whole week. Let, I mean, let, have a celebration next Sunday. I mean, just have a ticker tape parade. And uh, he was preaching. I, we were together in a meeting uh, Mississippi not long ago and your pastor I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on him because you ought, you ought to there's enough numbskulls that walk out the back door and shake the preacher's hand put three knives in his back and say well I went that time but it'd blow your head up how about we blow your head off <laughs> that was a little extreme I scared myself even there for a minute there but I agree with what I just said. It, was, it just came out. I kind of like the way it... I may say it angry next time and really be more impressed with When I'm afraid it blow your head up. Do you know how deflated preachers get in this hour? They need somebody to... to somebody to inflate them. They've been de they're deflated by it, the last 25 people that came by. Along with hate mail, hand delivered, by the way. That give me an itchy trigger finger seeing people on my property. Like 30 seconds ago, that blowing the head thing here, we might do that. Blow your head off. I was with him in Mississippi. God touched him. And not only did he deliver some deep truth on Christ. But then it was in great power, great power and glory. And it, and it caused the whole meeting to explode in power. And when the Holy Ghost helps preachers and helps folk, it lasts. I can't stand it. And I, I pre he went the other way tonight, and I appreciate it. Most preachers say, well, now, that's a good service we had this morning, but yesterday's home runs don't win today's ball game. This is a whole other thing. Blah, 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 blah. Please give that man a moon pie and hush him up. <laughs> yesterday's home runs don't win today's ball. What, what game are you playing? The home runs in the kingdom of God never land. They just keep going. And people keep coming in home base. Jesus knocked a home run 2,000 years ago when he swung that cross at every, every pitch Satan had. He swung that cross at him. And that home run won all the games. Right here in 2 Corinthians, don't look at it yet, but in 2 Corinthians 3, the end of chapter 3, we're changed into the same image from glory to glory. Everything God does counts and keeps on counting. That service this morning will live right on and fulfill its purpose until we get to glory. Y'all ain't helping me. None of this falls on the ground. That's a silly little, you got that from a shallow silly somebody. Yesterday ain't home run, no Wednesday ball game. Lord help us yesterday. We need something else today. Yeah, you need to get with that snuff dipping granny is what you need. Sitting on the porch with her. Stay over there. You're getting on our nerves. Thank the Lord for the preacher you got. Amen. Dr. Mike Bag, God used him in that meeting. And I told him, I told him after he was done, Something Dr. Mike Bagwell gave us. I don't know if he told me personally or told a group of men. I can't remember. 
But he said the power of God will rest on a preacher to the degree that he is good to his wife. Because the greatest thing Christ has ever done has been faithful to his bride. That's where all that security business comes from. Y'all ain't helped me. And the greatest thing a man can ever do is husband love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I've watched Brother Cravens be faithful and be good to his bride. And that's where that power and that reward. That morning I told your preacher, God let him dance and shout and jump all over the place and the power of God and preach deep at the same time. And I was sitting in the back because I just got over the salmonella coronavirus. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting in the back and I was looking to who to cough on. I got a list of people. But uh, I was hiding in the back and uh, watched God use him. Yeah. And there were 30 men of God there and you should have seen how it helped them. And, and what I'm telling you, that help ain't just for 10 minutes. That help will carry you right on through a decade. Yeah. And I told him afterwards, that's his reward. God gave him a little reward. One of them unspeakable joy bombs. Full of glory. For being faithful and good to his wife. And uh, thank the Lord. Pastor's appreciation. Y'all ought to really work something up next week. Amen. You got a week to work on it now. Thank the Lord. Well, thank the Lord. I'm feeling pretty good about everything. 2 Corinthians 10. This probably needs to be preached. Take several messages. It probably should be a booklet. I got a lot of sermon studies that probably should be little books. And uh, not that I have anything to offer, but this Bible sure has got a lot to offer. So with me saying that, I'm, I'm just going to touch the highlights. And I don't know, we may preach on them all week or we may never come back to this again. And I know we're scheduled through Wednesday, but I'm open to the will of God. We wasn't supposed to have this meeting no way and look at us having it. Amen. Mm. Amen. I mean, there are three reasons it shouldn't have happened. But it's, and this, and this morning, <laughs> the, the Lord... He came suddenly into his temple. And all of him walked in. (laughs) Thank the Lord. Oh, we can't comment on it because we don't know how. We don't have the wisdom or the words to match his wonderful workings. I know one thing I'm going to tell the Lord again in the morning is that, that, that miracle that I asked for over there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him again in the morning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let that be something. Yes. We, don't, we don't have to tell none of them what we prayed for. But, oh, Lord, I'm going to ask him again in the morning. Thank the Lord. Isn't he good to us? I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get calmed down. I'm feeling really, really good. Great psalm, Brother Sam. That's a great psalm. Oh, that's where he killed that seven-headed dragon in the middle of the Red Sea. The heads of Leviathan. Thank God for it. Second Corinthians 10. See what the Lord have for us just for a little while. I'm gonna, we're going to chew on this and, and then just kind of... It's going to take a, a week to preach properly, a month to preach just right. But Paul dealing with two things. (coughs) Let me read verse 1 and 2 so I can launch out from there. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10. Let me say two things real fast before I read two verses and then show you two things. I have to cooperate with my mind. It works a certain way. So let me say two things and, and show you two things and read these two things. Here's two things I want to show you out of this text. And God just gave me this Thursday. Thursday. Never preached it, never dwelt on it. Thursday. This first, of course, Thursday. First time I brought it to a pulpit. 
There are two things Paul was defending here. Paul was, Paul was in a great defense in a warfare, a warfare on his mind. <coughs> there was a warfare on his mind. And then secondly, there was a warfare on his ministry. <coughs> he had enemies. Great adversaries. And in these particular scriptures, 9, especially 10 and 11, and then easing over into 12 and 13, but especially chapter 10 and chapter 11, Paul was in real defense in a warfare. And what we're in is bigger than battles. It's a warfare that contains a lot of battles. And there was a warfare on his mind. And there was a warfare on his ministry. Okay, that's what the Lord's put in my heart for the first part of this meeting. This warfare on his mind and on his ministry. And then before I read the two verses, let me show you two things. And it's about 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is no doubt the toughest letter he ever wrote. He had to pull his belt off and give the Corinth church a real whooping. Real tough. It was the toughest letter. But flip side, 2 Corinthians is the tenderest letter. It's the tenderest. He came in 1 Corinthians with a heavy hand, but he came in 2 Corinthians with a heavy heart. And then he just opened it to him. He opened his heart in 2 Corinthians. You know what you saw there? A lot of suffering. A lot of suffering. It's not my interest to prove that tonight. Go read it for yourself. Troubles and without were fightings, within were fears and perplexed and cast down and destroyed and not, oh, a lot of suffering. I found something this morning looking for something else. That heart of suffering. This morning I studied another thought and I punched in the word trust. Brother Sam, I was looking for something out of Timothy. But you know what I found? Uh, <laughs> in that, this great 2 Corinthians, this great letter of suffering, I found the word trust was in one book more than any other by far. I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew maybe mentioned it once, and Mark maybe, I don't know, once, and I don't, it wasn't even in most books, Romans once or twice, and Philippians three times, that was the second runner-up, and he's down there in that Roman dungeon. But do you know what I'm about to run, what I'm about to do? But in 2 Corinthians, where he shows them a heart of suffering, the word trust is in 2 Corinthians more than any other book in the New Testament. It's actually in there seven times. Hey, hey, God's perfection business. What do you think your suffering's about? It's about God boiling you down, breaking you down, burning you down, purging the dross, bringing you down into that glorious image of Christ. And there's where you trust Him. You got to trust that He's taking you through a cycle uh, uh, and he's taking you to an end. Seven's the number of a completed cycle. Okay. See, 1 Corinthians is his toughest letter. And 2 Corinthians is his tenderest. I feel compelled to comment on that for just a moment. God usually has to come to you tough. Tear up everything in our life that needs tore up. But oh, he's going to pick you up the next day and take you to the park for ice cream. Hey! 
whether he's going to come by and put salve in the wounds that he put there. Amen. <laughs> Thank God for it. His toughest moments are going to be followed by the most tender moments. And uh, he may have had to give you a whooping, but he's fixing to give you a hugging. Oh, my. Yeah, Lord. And you boys can study this book and maybe in light of some of these things. Now let's read our two verses. Let's get verse 1 and 2. I'm liable to just keep reading a little bit. I almost just feel like establishing this scripture tonight, not expounding it. But let's look in verse 1 and 2. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Oh, my. Mm, aren't you glad we have a meek and gentle Savior? I don't know who mentioned the weeping say. I don't know where I heard that tonight or today. But you know the context where we have the weeping Savior? You know what he did right before that weeping? He did a whipping. That's the same text where he kicked the tables over, made a whip, made a whip, kicked the tables over, and cleaned out the temple with a bunch of money changers. I've been noticing there's a bunch of these money boys. It's where a lot of this compromise, corruption, contemporary movements toward the contemporary is nothing more than them movements toward the cash. And... uh, There's always folks down at church trying to make money. But God's down there trying to make gold. (laughs) Oh, well, he whipped there in the Gospels. And it's the same, a little bit later, in the same chapter, he goes up on the mountain and weeps over the city. And I'm going to say something to all the young preachers. Don't you be making... Uh, no whips if you ain't got a hill you're fixing to weep on. Whipping and weeping's got to be in the same chapter. You whip your youngins, you better love them a little bit later. That don't mean change your mind and let them have their way because they ain't quit whining. They ain't quit whining because you quit whipping a little too soon. They ain't got broke. And uh, in your same chapter, and pastor, notice this. He cleansed the temple and wept over the city. That's worth making a note of in your heart. Come in here and get a whipping. And then go out there and give them a weeping. Well, why would you go down there and kick tables over and make a ruckus and whip some people at the church? Because what do you think the world needs? The world out there needs the church to be right in here. This is where they're going to get all their help. If you don't get it right in here, there ain't nowhere you can weep over them all you want to. Where are they going to go get help? The help's at the house of God. If they get to the house of God and it's being run by a bunch of gluttonous hogs and perverted dogs, then what are they going to get down here? I mentioned gluttony. Let me mention to some folks and some people tell other people Christians that are heavy. Some people are heavy. And some people come from a family. It's in their DNA. Let me help you right there. And some people are sometimes feel guilty because they struggle with their weight. Let me tell you something about Bible gluttony. I have no idea why I'm teaching on this, but I'm fixing to. <laughs> Bible gluttony is always associated with drunkenness. You can't find it in your Bible where it ain't associated and coupled with drunkenness. 
gluttony, gluttony is a drunken party. It's a drunken orgy. Jesus came feasting. They were mad about it. John came fasting. Jesus came feasting. God set up seven feasts in the Old Testament so he could celebrate with his people. I just want to put a little Bible doctrine on this thing. Don't you be... I've been around some smart alecks and they told other people that have weight problems and it may be a bunch of skinny people with weight problems. In Leviticus, the fat is the Lord's. Fat was always a sign of a blessing. We got an anorexic, mentally diseased nation of a bunch of women that put on their yogurt pants and run around town all day letting somebody else raise their children and brethren running around out there trying to look like a sack of bones. This ain't going to make it on CNN or Oprah Winfrey. But it aren't to. When God judged a nation, he sent leanness of bones and cleanness of teeth to them. I ain't going to whiten my teeth just because of that verse. I just never thought of that. Never thought of that before. He sent leanness of bones and cleanness of teeth. And we got a nation trying to be a bunch of anorexics. While I'm meandering around this pulpit, let me throw this in. Ain't nobody supposed to see your figure, dear lady, except your husband. So does it really matter all that much? And if he loves you, he loves you with or without the extra 20, the extra 30, with or without it. Can I get a witness? This is a lie from hell and it's putting all of our, especially with social media. The young ladies are torturing themselves, putting themselves in torment. The people that love you, do you know I never notice if my friends lose weight or gain weight? I don't give a rip. They can lose 50 pounds or gain 70. That's my friend and I love them. And I never even see it. I walk right in and just hug them. The devil's the only one bothering your mind about some of these addictions. That one just popped up, preacher. What was y'all doing? Was y'all trying to read the Bible? We got all that out of the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's pretty great. We ended up, we ended up all of us dropping our diets out of the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Thank God. Isn't that great? The Lord do that for us. In that same context, I feel like preaching the Bible this week. Don't y'all see 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians? Jesus made a whip and then he went over there and he wept. He made a whip, 1 Corinthians. And then he went over there and wept, 2 Corinthians. Y'all see that? Well, here we are in 2 Corinthians. We're talking about uh, the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some. He's saying here, I'd like to clear all this up before I get there. When I arrive, I'd like to, I'd like to be having a good time in the Lord, not a bad time. Looking 12, no, I'm sorry, looking 13, 10. Y'all don't mind looking at the Word of God, do you? Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness, according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. You see, when I come, I'd sure like, I'd like for us to have a good time and not have to have a hard time. Yeah. And, and look at the end of 12, 12, 21, and actually verse 20. For I fear, 12, 20. For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would. And that I shall be found in you such as you would not. Lest there be 
Now watch this. Here's what he don't want to find when he comes. Debates. Envyings. Wrath. Strifes. Backbitings. Whisperings. Swellings. Tumults. Mm. What do y'all think about the Lord cleaning out the body? If you don't get cleaned out, this is what you're going to have. Debates and envies and wraths. Wrath. Strife. Backbitings. Whisperings. The Bible speaks often against whispering. If you can't say it out loud, you probably ought not say it. If little children shouldn't hear it, then nobody else should either. If you got a, if you got a whisper talking about people, then you, you need to quit. It's got that middle part of that hiss. Hiss is the middle part of whisperings. Hiss. You stay away from people that hiss. What are you, a serpent? Swellings. Tumult. And lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you and that I shall be well. Many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Oh, my. Preacher, I guess I'm just going to take my time all week. Mm. We ain't even got to our first point. But the Lord's had some points he wants to make. I've been misquoting the verse. Brother Sam, you go tell Brother Robbie about this next time you talk to him. Tell him to look at this. I've been misquoting the verse my whole ministry. And I've done it along with my friends. We've done it together. You know what verse it is? See, Paul was trying to get get these people that have been in 1 Corinthians 5, sexual sin. He's trying to get their life right. And you know what will get it right? Repentance. The change of mind and a change of heart. And you can walk away from that computer and you can walk away from that phone and you can walk away from that woman and you can walk away from that secret thing you got going. Do you know that's the only answer for fornication? Old Testament, Joseph, what was her name? Tugging at Potiphar's wife. Every day trying to get him to sleep with her. And the Bible said that Joseph fled. It's somewhere back there in 36 or 37 or 38 of Genesis. He fled. You know what Paul told his young preacher? How to deal with fleshly lust? Flee. It ain't no theology. It's just get out of there. Get out of there. You don't need seven steps and private a counselor and a psychiatrist and blame it on addictions. Nope. Get out of there. Just get out of there. That's old and new. Joseph and Timothy, two young men, yeah. just flee. Amen. Here's a verse I've been misusing a long time about restoring people. Brethren, Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, here's how I've been saying it. If a man be overtaken in a sin, ye which are spiritual, I'm sorry to tell you, I've been using it that way my whole ministry. What word did I miss? Fault. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one, considering thyself, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. How much success have you had? With people caught in what we call deep sin. 
Do you know there might be a big difference in the word sin and the word fault? I don't think you can be overtaken in a sin. I think you overtake sin. A fault is something that's in you that ain't right. It's broken. It's wrong. It's messed up. The word overtaken means to slip up from behind and finally catch up with you and jump on you. I don't think a deep, moral, scandalous sin has snuck up on you and just, oh, 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 whoa, how did that happen? Y'all ain't helping me. If sin could do that, there'd none of us have a testimony or a ministry left. Everybody in that Bible I seen going after sin, it wasn't sin snuck up on them, it was them chasing sin. Y'all ain't helping me. A fault is something wrong in you. A sin is something wrong that came out of you. You let it out. Y'all help me talk about this now. How much you go talk to Brother Robbie about it, see what he says. I ain't seen no real good track record. We're trying to restore people that went out on purpose and got in sin on purpose and then got caught. Right. Can't ever I was talking to an older pastor. He said, I've never had one work out. He said, This clears it all up. God's the only one that can help an old boy that's went and chased down a sin. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. That's it. Man. He's the only one. Yeah. God and that feller's the only one. That's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You all know that, and this comes from the word, fault is associated first cousin root word, the word fall. Come on. Yeah. And this might not be the deepest doctrine right here, but I, I study in this. I ain't preached Galatians 6 one yet. I've just been looking at it and thinking about it. Mentioned it once. But I was sitting around a table with some good preachers. And I asked them what they thought about that. And we got talking about the man in a fall or the man in a fault. And do you know the difference in fall and fault? There's two letters in there. Y'all tell me what they are. What's in, the, what's in the word fault? F-A-U. Right. And then there's a letter at the end that's not on the word fall. A T. <laughs> what? The cross. You and the cross are still present. <laughs> Before you have to go, before you choose to go into the fall. The difference is you and the cross. Now that we're playing with that word, and I know that's not uh, uh, taught as a doctrine, but I'm telling you that is a word study. There's a you and a T. And that fall, you and the cross ain't in it no more. Oh, you know something about the man in the fault? The spiritual people can approach him. He's still got spiritual people in his life. The man out in sin, ain't no spiritual people left in his life. They're praying for him from a long distance. A situation, and I'll never give the details at all about this situation to y'all. But a terrible situation, a preacher in moral sin. And uh, I was in the middle of this situation. The old man of God, old gray-haired man of God, went to this man and said, you need to get five good men of God and just sit yourself in the middle of their council and their circle 
And he gave a smart aleck reply. Don't they usually give a smart aleck reply? There's a difference in confessing your sin and getting caught in your sin. That confession of the sin, it leaves your heart. When you're caught in a sin, you go into the blame game, the bitter game, the bullying game, the crybaby game. Talk to me now. I say you go into the baby game. Everybody gets me. You go into the bully game. You go into the blame game. And you go into the bargaining game. Now, Lord, I will of you. This will of you will. But no boy's confessed it. He's presenting himself. He said, hey, excuse me. I'm done wrong. No smart ass answers coming out of that bunch. Here's what that man said back to the man of God. He said, I don't think I know five good men of God. And the old preacher quickly said to him, that would be your fault. I'm pretty glad to tell you tonight, I welcome all my brethren to come to me and tell me about my faults. James 5, confess your faults one to another. But you may be healed. Do you know if we'd confess our faults to each other, we might not end up having to confess a sin to everybody. Do you know if we confess our faults to our brothers and sisters in the Lord that we wouldn't have to end up confessing our sin to the whole stinking world? What do y'all think about that? We've been trying to treat men in sin like it was just a man with a fault. Oh my. I'm talking to y'all about being restored. We're in 2 Corinthians. He's trying to restore them. I got good news. I got good news from the glory world. It's, and the good news is in this letter. You may have got a little hate mail today. I'm bringing you a whole bunch of pages of love mail. <laughs> Here you go, friend. I'll try to phantom your direction this week. Nothing to sting your heart like hate mail. That'll sting you. Mm. I got good news for everybody that's ever had to deal with sexual sin. Got good news for you. If you're a lost sinner, I'd like to tell you, sinner friend, if you've got adultery and fornication, I'd like to tell you about a woman in John chapter 8. She was a woman taken in adultery and cast down at the feet of Jesus. And they were fixing to stone her with stones because Moses and the law commanded it. But somebody got down in the dirt with her. <laughs> Moses may have wrote in the law, but actually the Lord wrote the law and he wasn't done writing. <laughs> He rode in the sand. And in a little while, the Lord spoke up and said, uh, uh, He that's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And in a little while, the Pharisees were all gone, and the religious people were all gone, and the community people was all gone, and her shame was covered. Oh, my he said to her, where are those thine accusers? First time she had the nerve to look up. She said, I have none, neither do I condemn thee. Go thou and sin no more. I got good news for all y'all. If you're a lost sinner, the Lord will take all your adultery and fornication and all your divorces and all your cheating and all your lying and the Lord can take all of it and wash it in his precious blood. And he'll say, neither do I condemn thee. What about saved people? Oh, I love King David. And I love 1 John 1. If we confess our sins... But there's David. He was a godly man and a saved man. 
And he had adultery. Lust. And it messed up his kingdom. Messed up his family. For a time and a season it was real bad. And you know those which were spiritual didn't gather in a group and come to him. And talk to him about his fault. So one old prophet went over there with a long finger. He said, I need to tell you a story about a rich man, but he stole a poor man's sheep. Thou art the man. Do you notice David didn't say, who told you? Bring them in here. I want a three-way conference. Who said they said, he said, she said. The Lord said, I'm fixing to take everything from you. He said, I have sinned. And then the prophet said, okay, he's not going to take away but from you just a little bit. He went from the head to the head just like that. Oh, my, the sword never left his house, but the scepter never left his hand. He stayed on the throne. Oh, my. Well... Okay, we're talking about a tough letter and a tender letter. We're talking about a rebuke and we're talking about a restoration. Come back to 2 Corinthians seven 11. I'm fixing to dismiss. I think I've been up here 37 plus 3, 41 minutes. Hadn't even got to my verse. What do y'all think? I love seven eleven. This is the biggest slurpee the Lord will ever give you out of 7-Eleven. <laughs> I see slurpee. Root beer. Come on with it. That's Christian party and root beer. <laughs> Here's your 7-Eleven. It's the most beautiful thing you may ever see in the scripture if you struggle and looking for God to restore you. For behold, this self-same thing. Paul was telling them, I'm so glad y'all dealt with this, and look how it turned out. He sorrowed after a godly sort. King Saul was sorry that he got caught, and David was sorry. King David was just sorry that he sinned. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants to talk about that prodigal, and we need to have compassion. Under the pro- nobody, no, there wasn't a spiritual group of brethren that came in a spirit of meekness and gathered around him and talked to him about it.